thank you for tuning in to AnchorCast. Please remember to subscribe and follow us on social media at Anchor Nights to get the latest updates about events, meetings, and uploads. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Hey, everybody. How are you doing tonight? Hey, I just want to agree with everything that Jake said about Maddie. You're a special girl, and uh, we're excited for uh, what the Lord has in store for your future. Um, God's good all the time. Uh, and it's also when you travel, you travel, you bring fans and family as well. So that's pretty cool. Hey, if we haven't met yet, my name is Brent. I'm one of the pastors here at Cross City. It's always an honor to be able to teach, uh, oftentimes on the weekends, uh, on behalf of our senior pastor, David, uh, but also this evening. Let me tell you why for a couple reasons. Uh, reason number one uh, is that I am just uh, so excited to see where this ministry has come uh, in the last several years. Um, I, probably most of you uh, don't know this but it was about four and a half years ago uh, that, that I actually began to lead this ministry. And I need to tell you, it was not like this. It was, uh, it was much smaller. It was in a whole other uh, building on the campus. Uh, but there was a spark. There was something that was there. And, and the partner that I had in ministry uh, was Jake. And Jake was our worship guy. But he was more than a, just our worship guy. Um, God was doing something in his life. He was preparing him for something uh, greater and bigger. And, and Jake, wherever you are, I'm not sure where you are, but um, I'm proud of you. Uh, I, I believe in you. Um, I believe greater things are even in store for you in the future. Why I know that is that you have good judgment in who you would marry uh, in, uh, in your wife, Mac. And uh, you tell a lot about a man by the choices that he makes. And so what a great partnership you are and what great things God is doing here. And so I just want to commend you, Anchor, for, for who you are and what you're doing and what God is doing here. And uh, and I'm just, uh, I'm excited to be able to open up God's word with you tonight. So if you have your Bibles, if you have your devices, I know that it's going to be embedded into some of the teaching, but I'm going to be spending most of my time this evening in the book of Ephesians, and we're going to be continuing this series, and I'm going to be looking at specifically the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives um, and how uh, we can find our purpose in the body of Christ and how you can find that and how I found that. I'm going to share some stories of how I got it right, how I got it wrong, uh, and also what Scripture says about that. But before I do that, I need to make a confession. Um, the confession is, is that I don't always uh, follow uh, instructions. I don't follow directions well, like a lot, as in Never. So, uh, the, like, let me give an example. Um, when I get something, I buy something, and it has uh, directions, I never read them. Any other people out there that never read the directions? Can I see your hands? All right. It's Now, now uh, you follow directions there. That's pretty impressive because most of you that don't follow directions, you're like, I'm not raising my hand. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. Um, no, I, I wore this watch as a perfect example that I got this watch because I officiated a wedding for a family member like four or five years ago, and it had instructions on how you could make it smaller. And I thought to myself, oh, I can do that, no problem, right? Well, obviously I can't, right? So it's here, and it's just going to be a reminder of how important it is to follow directions. I don't do it all the time. Uh, one of the examples is, is that uh, my wife got me uh, for a gift. She got me a, a chair, and she said, Brent, I'm going to buy you the chair, but you have to assemble the chair. It's my chair at my desk in my study at home. And I'm like, how tough is a chair to assemble? It's not difficult, right? It's very challenging, by the way. I might add that to you. It is completely lopsided, and it does not stay all the way up. 
it goes down about every 10 minutes. It goes, and then I have to go, okay. Anyway, so I, I wish I would have followed directions on that. Now, now, I need to go ahead and make kind of just a, a general yeah, but except for this. And it's anything that you ever buy at Ikea. You absolutely need to follow the directions from Ikea. Can I name into that, right? right? Especially if you speak Swedish. It really helps, I might want to add to that. But there are those things in our life when we, we don't follow the instructions. We don't follow the directions. We get ourselves into all kinds of trouble. For example, um, uh, there are going to be some people uh, this, uh, this weekend, Memorial Day weekend, and they're going to they're gonna get really excited about Memorial Day weekend, and they're going to drink and they're going to drive. And I just saw coming through Twitter that, that Fresno PD is going to be doing these like sober checkpoints on Saturday night. And they say the average cost of drinking and driving between fines and everything and impoundment of your car is $13,500, not including the increase of your insurance. Um, I just recently, because the taxes were paid not on April 15th this year, but May 15th this year, I had the joy of writing some payments to the IRS for my taxes. And the primary reason why I do that isn't because I'm glad to be American and I love to pay taxes. That's not it. The reason I pay my taxes is because I don't want to go to jail. I want to get locked up because it doesn't work out for guys like me in jail. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say is, is that it's normally always a good idea to follow directions, but oftentimes we don't. And when we have this thing called Bible, uh, it's God's direction book for life. And he gives us wisdom and he gives us insight. Uh, it, Bible, it stands for basic instructions before leaving earth. And a lot of times we're going we're gonna to hear what God's word says and we're going to be like, oh, that sounds good. But I'm not exactly sure that I want to live that out. We know that it provides guidance. We know that it provides instruction. We know that it provides direction for our life. But sadly, many people will hear it, but they won't live it. My prayer for you tonight, Anchor, is that you're not going to hear my words, but rather that you'll listen to God's words. And that you'll allow God's words to go into your heart and your mind and take root. And that something that he says through me to your heart would be life-changing, because my words are not going to be life-changing, but his will. But unfortunately, pride in some of our lives, myself included, is going to blind us from wanting to hear this and listening to this. Unfortunately, decisions that we make that we think we're being cool, we're being totally foolish, and we're going to find ourselves not walking our own path and doing our own thing, like Frank Sinatra said, you know, I did it my way. But rather what we're going to do is we're going to be following our own way and it's going to get us not found but lost. Furthermore, there's a lot of us, as we're looking at this topic of purpose, we're like that very famous U2 song that says, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And there are some of us, some of you, myself included, that there are those parts in our life that we're looking for meaning. We're looking for something greater. We're looking for that next thing. We're looking to be happy. We're looking for the hit. We're looking for the relationship. We're looking for whatever that might be. And I want you to know that tonight, tonight it's possible for you to experience God's eternal purpose here on earth and enjoy it all the way in heaven. But here's the thing, everybody. We see example after example. For some of your parents, you saw them, and they made poor choice after poor choice, and their marriage dissolved. You saw decisions that mom or dad made, 
right before your eyes, and you, and, and you wish that they wouldn't, and you could have told them to do otherwise, but they decided to do their own thing. For some of you, you went against the advice of friends and family members and you made the decision like, I'm going to do this and you're telling me to do that, but I'm going to do my own thing my own way. If you're being honest, a little bit later you wish you would have listened to your friends. For some of you right now, you're wondering to yourself, is it possible for the purpose that God has for my life, based on the decisions that I've made, if I've been aced out? on what God could do through my life. You see, the, the idea of purpose, I believe, is one of the greatest topics you will ever wrestle with in your life. And it is especially important for you as young adults right now to put your heart and your mind around this. And here's why. Outside of the Bible, which is the most printed, published, and purchased book of all time, the number two most purchased book of all time is a book written by Rick Warren, and it's called The Purpose Driven Life. And the reason it is such a popular book is I believe that it addresses that void. It addresses the question that all of us have, and that is, is why am I here? Why, why am I on this planet? What am I going to do with my life? And is my life going to amount to anything? And as a young adult, you know exactly what I'm talking about, especially this time of the year. I mean, this is graduation season, and I know there are probably some seniors in here, but there's definitely some of y'all that you graduated from high school, and you remember those really super awkward graduation parties? Do you remember that, everyone? Where, where like, uncomfortable Uncle Ron would ask you, what are you going to do with your life? And you're like, I don't know. You know what I mean? You would have these people that would say, God's got great plans for your life. You're going to do great things. And you're like, literally, like, I just want to make it through May, right? I just want to make it through this month. I'm not sure about great things. Who are you going to be? What are you going to study? What's your major going to be? What do you want to be when you grow up? Where are you going to live? Are you going to have three kids or four kids? You know, you have all these questions. People are asking you about the purpose of your life. And you're literally like, I don't know. Well, I need you to know something. God knows. And he has a purpose and a plan for your life. And there is a scripture. There is a Bible verse. And everything that I'm going to say tonight is going to hinge on this truth. I think it's going to magically appear on the screen right now. And it comes from Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. <laughs> this is uh, the Apostle Paul, and he is writing to a church, and I believe he shares potentially a key verse that we just kind of gloss right over of why we're on this planet, what the purpose of our life is, and this is what he says, that we are God's handiwork. Everyone say handiwork. Oh, that was lame. Everyone say handiwork. We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good work, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I'm going to have you keep that scripture up there for a little bit because when I'm trying to understand something, I always kind of go through the who, what, when, where, why, what, and how. I, I think about the who of the scripture. Who? It's God speaking to you and to me, to us, God. What? He is saying you and I, we have been created by him in his image, which is really cool. When? Before the beginning of time, God knew you'd be born. He, he knew you'd be on this planet that he created. Where? Where are we? We're not in Fresno, friends. As Christians, we are in Christ Jesus. That is our purpose. That is our significance. That is our standing. Why? To do good works. Would you guys all say Good works, good works, good works in Christ Jesus to do good works. And so when a person asks you the question, why are you here? Why, what's the purpose of your life? 
I suppose the Sunday school answer you could say is, is well, I'm, I'm here to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and that is true. And I'm not discounting that at all. That we absolutely need to have a saving relationship with Jesus Christ from here and to forever. But it's more than just that. It's more than just praying the prayer. It's more than just checking the boxes. It's living our, guys listen in, listen in, lean into this. It's living our lives now as a reflection of how we're going to be living our lives forever. And that is a purpose worth living and dying for. See, Jesus said, uh, you know, when he was asked, like, what's, what's the point? What's the greatest commandment? Why are you here? And Jesus said, love God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And when he gave his disciples, and if you're a follower of Jesus, you're a disciple, he gave them the great commission that was to go into all the world, teaching them everything that I've taught you, teach them, make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to be with you always to the ends of the earth. And by the way, for him to be with you always means an encounter with what we're going to talk about tonight, the Holy Spirit. So we begin to live out, and at Cross City we call this our mission and our vision. Our mission is to make more and better disciples. A better disciple is a disciple that knows why they're on this planet and what they're going to do about it. And to be the vision of our church, which is to love God, love others, and to serve the world. That is the great commandment and the great commission, and that's that's really who we are as a church. And so if you've never thought about it before, I would love for you to consider memorizing this scripture right here. I, I want you to consider doing that so much that I'm going to have us say it out loud together before we go on to kind of my next point. Ready? So let's read it out together. Ready? Here we go. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, you probably never thought about this before, but God has been doing something in and through your life before the beginning of time. Before you were even a twinkle in your mama and daddy's eyes, God had a plan for your life. And he's doing something in and through your life right now, and you're not even aware of it. Uh, yesterday, I had the chance to go out to lunch with a good friend of mine. His name is Scott. Um, I like to call Scott Iron Man uh, because basically he's the closest, you know, closest person that I know that's living the Iron Man life. He's got uh, a lot of resources. He's got a lot of cool toys, a lot of cool cars. He actually owns multiple car dealerships. He just bought a Jaguar and a Land Rover dealership uh, in Beverly Hills. So he's cool, right? And so he and I are having lunch yesterday, uh, and I let him pay for it. You're welcome. Uh, and... Uh, and we go out, and it's always kind of fun. It's like, what's Scott driving today? <clears throat> and so today, he was driving a 2022 uh, Range Rover. This sucker was sick. I mean, cool. He walked up to the car, and it was like, it, it just kind of like lowered and dips itself down. And he said, hey, you got to check this out, check this out. And so he's like, you want to sit in it? I'm like, no, because I'll never get out. I'm just going to punch you in the throat and run, run, run away with your car, right? And so anyway, he's like, it won't let you do that. Because it's my car. No one can steal this car but me. I'm like, shut up. I looked it up. It's true. He says, more than that, this is the smartest car that has ever been built. So much so that you don't even need to have an owner's manual. Because the owner's manual is actually in the computer, in the car. And you can just say, show me the owner's manual. And it has a heads-up display. And the owner's manual will come here. And remember on Iron Man how you can kind of flip stuff around and move it around? 
It has that on, I don't know how it shows up, but he can turn the music on, he can do this, that, and the other, and all of a sudden, I'm like having this moment where I'm like, this is the coolest car ever. Like, I, he's like, and I have no idea everything that it can do, but it can do really, really cool things. And I thought to myself, this is both potentially one of the coolest and creepiest cars I've ever seen in my life. And for some of us, that's how we feel about the Holy Spirit. That we know it's there. It can do all kinds of cool things, and we sing about it, we pray about it, we think about it, we read about it, but we have no idea what God can do through his power through us. Let me tell you that the moment you give your life to Jesus Christ, and I realize that some of you haven't done that yet, and I'm just glad you're here listening, but I think a lot of you have. And so that means that at the moment of your salvation, the Holy Spirit came into your life. And you were, you were sealed with the Spirit of God. There was, a, there was, a, there was a, like an eternal transaction that happened, and you had a new identity given to you in Christ Jesus. You were not only saved, but you were secure, and you found your significance in Him. Don't trust me. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says. So in Ephesians, we're going to turn one chapter to the left. And in Ephesians chapter 1, let's take a look, see what he says here. Verse 13 and 14, he says this. And you, Christian, also were included in Christ. Everyone say in Christ. In Christ. When you heard the message of truth. We talked about grace and truth tonight. The gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal the promised Holy Spirit. Isn't that cool, everyone? You've ever seen a seal before, like a ring? You were in marked. You've been, you've, been, you've been named. You've been called. Some scriptures talk about having an inheritance, future inheritance given to you, who is a deposit, a guarantee, until the redemption of those who are in God's possession, to the praise and to the glory of God. You know, um, I don't know, this idea of like a spiritual blood transfusion comes to my mind. That the moment that you become a Christ follower, you become a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And you become filled with the Spirit of God. That you're not only saved, but you are sealed for a greater reason. And listen in, everybody. You are saved and you are sealed to serve other people. Not just yourself. It's just not about how much I can have, what I can do, what I can get as a Christ follower. But rather, what I can do for others. Now I was thinking about when I was your age and I was kind of wrapping up college and I was, man, I was one of those kids in college where I just, I didn't really like college. I just wanted to get my degree and run. And so all the way through college, I was just trying to figure out how can I make a million dollars as quick as possible? That's all I wanted to do. And so I started working for Wells Fargo Bank my junior year of college as a teller, by my senior year of college, um, I was doing finance as a senior in college. I got recruited by Wells Fargo out of college. I moved from my, from my college dorm room into a condominium in Pasadena. And this was during the whole uh, dot-com bubble bust. And there was a time, believe it or not, friends, that there wasn't an internet. <laughs> and I'm that old. All right. So anyway, so the dot-com bust happened, and I'm sitting there having made more money than I ever thought I was going to make, being surrounded by some of the most beautiful yet miserable people that I've ever known. These people had everything. Everything that they would ever want. And they were some of the meanest, nastiest, scariest people 
that I'd ever imagined. Because sometimes we have it in our mind that if a person has this, that relationship, that car, that portfolio, they live here, there, look this way. That they're going to be happy, they're going to be content, that they're going to be successful, that they're going to find significance, that they're going to be secure. And what I realized firsthand uh, as a one-year-out-of-college graduate is, is that all that glitters is not gold, especially in Southern California. I, I personally realized that chasing money and fame and sex and relationships and celebrity was a lonely road that led to nowhere. And there was a thing that happened in my life. And what I realized is there was a moment, there was just this, this like this Kairos moment, this, this God-ordained moment where, where I saw um, things for what they were, which was if I continue to go down this road and do my own thing and live the world's way, I'm going to die. But if I'll repent of that and I'll start walking a new way and walking with new people, that God will do a new thing in my life. I began to see authentic, um, authenticity in some Christ followers that I'd never seen before. I began people, seeing people living the ways of Christ. And they were, they just, they, they, they were just happier. They had, what, they had abundant joy in their life. They, they just seemed more content. It was at that time that a, that a college pastor, um, young adults pastor at the church that I went to in Pasadena... He put me uh, under his arm and he said, Brent, I just want to start talking to you about Jesus. Because I think God's got something he wants to do in your life. And, and this was the Bible verse that he gave me. Because he knew that I was the equivalent of a rich young ruler at the time. And he said this, Brent, godliness with contentment is great gain. You see, I realized in my life, and I can't speak for you, but in my life, I was chasing those things that I thought would make me happy. Whether it's a relationship or it was a possession or a degree or it was a, a friend group or status. I thought those things would give me significance. Those things would make me feel like I had succeeded. I was talking to uh, Jake today. I was talking to some of the other guys uh, that knew I was speaking this weekend. And they're like, Brent, make sure that you just be real and you take off the gloves and you just speak the truth. So I need to ask you, Anchor, before I go there, can I speak the truth in love? Okay, let me speak the truth and love to you guys right now. Because what I know is that there are some of you right now that, that you have a misfocused purpose for your life. And some of the things that I've been talking about are the things that you value and that you've been pursuing. For some of you, it's why you're studying. For some of you, it's why you are pursuing the career and the job and the degree that you are doing. And I just need to tell you the gosh darn truth, and that is simply this, is that the acquisition of stuff, the, the, the expression of relationships, the, the, all the things that we do to numb ourselves and experience what we think is real life here on earth will ultimately not give you the joy that you're looking for. It is only going to be through a life-giving, breathing relationship with Jesus Christ and the empowerment of his Holy Spirit that you're going to begin to realize that only living for him is worth dying for. See, what I know is, is this is that as hard as you work and as much as you acquire, here's the rub. The rub is, is that somebody is always going to have more than you. Someone's always going to have something faster and nicer and newer. There's always going to be somebody more attractive, somebody more hip and cool. 
until you begin to understand that the purpose of your life is not to acquire things, but rather to follow Jesus, you're going to continue like batting the wind, trying to find something that you could never look for. Because there's absolutely no win in comparison. That's why we need to be godly. We need to follow Jesus. And when we do that, it gives us what Scripture says, great gain. For myself, I'm going to read very quickly through verse 7 through 10 of 1 Timothy. Listen to what Paul writes. I almost feel like I'm Paul to you, my Timothy is right now, a little bit. Listen to what he says. He said, we brought nothing into this world, and we're not going to take anything out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we'll be content. Would you guys all say the word content? I know it's not a sexy word, but say it anyway. Say content. I know. So those who want to get rich fall into temptation and trap into foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money, say love of money, love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager to find money have wandered from the faith and they pierce themselves with many griefs. Friends, I need you to understand what Scripture's not saying. Scripture's not saying that money is bad. Actually, money is really cool. You can do some amazing, cool things with money. You're sitting in one of them right now. Money can, can change the world. Like our church collected money to send to India to acquire oxygen for people that were dying of COVID. Money's a good thing. But the love of money, the infatuation with money, the pursuit of money, but let me go ahead and expand money to stuff. Relationships, acquisitions, position, fame, fortune, followers on Instagram, whatever it is, I don't know. But whatever that thing is, the love of that and not the pursuit of God is going to lead you down a road that is going to be very purposeless. So don't confuse don't confuse the trap of contentment and complacency. You see, complacency is a vice. Complacency is like I'm lazy, I'm just complacent. But contentment is a virtue. And when you begin to follow God and you begin to realize that you are the workmanship, the handiwork of God, and that you're on this planet for a purpose, you begin to live a life of contentment. Uh, it was... Uh, in my seminary years, when I was pursuing my master's degree, um, they took us down to Los Angeles. And they took us to um, Skid Row, which is kind of like where a lot of the homeless people live in Los Angeles. And then they, they took us to, to Beverly Hills. And they had us compare and contrast what we saw in those two places. And then we wrote a paper about it. Well, it was a couple of years ago, and I was working at another church here in town, uh, and um, they needed for me to step in in a temporary role and lead this uh, summer trip to Southern California. And so I had this idea of doing something similar to that with all these students. And so we had, I don't know, 150 students or so, and we hopped in all these buses. And we went to this place in Los Angeles called the Dream Center. Have you guys heard of the Dream Center before? It's actually pretty cool. Um, it is a, uh, it is a uh, hospital. Uh, it's actually, it was like a hotel hospital. It's kind of a weird thing. Uh, and, and a church came in and bought it. And they turned it into this, um, this mission agency that would accept people in wherever they were in life. If they were homeless, if they were single moms, if they were orphans, if they were, if they were sick, if they were hungry, if they were getting ready to die. And they could come to this place. It's called the Dream Center. 
And they'd come and they, they, they'd have their physical needs met and then they'd have their spiritual needs met. And then they'd get a vocational skill and then they would start, they would just start getting educated and, and they would start getting jobs and then they would fall in love with God and they'd fi- fall in love with life. And, and, and it's a crazy redemptive thing that was happening at this location. And, and so with all these 150 or so high school students, we went to the Dream Center and they were freaking out because people didn't smell great. But they were the nicest, kindest people ever. And we did that in the morning, and then we went down, and we said, hey, we're going to have lunch in, in uh, Beverly Hills on Rodeo Drive. So imagine that, three or four buses unload 150 kids in Beverly Hills, and all of a sudden, they're going up and down Rodeo Drive. I'm sure Tiffany loved us that day, right? And the question that I asked them after they went and they spent the afternoon in, in Beverly Hills and Rodeo Drive was, of these two places, who of these two groups of people were the happiest, the most content, the most purposeful. And even the most jerk kid that wanted to disagree with everything I said, said to me, absolutely, without a doubt, the happiest people were the people at the Dream Center. When I was on Beverly Hills, everyone had a frown. Even though they had a lot of plastic surgery, they were still frowning. You could see it underneath all that plastic. And they were rude and they were mean. They told him to get out of my way. Worse than that, cussing at him, telling him to leave. Made him feel completely unwelcome. Why do I share that story with you? I share that story with you simply because of this. It would be unloving if I didn't connect the dots right now of what I'm going to do with the purpose in your life. Because there's some of you, you're the kind of person that you don't want to hear from a guy like me. You want to learn it on your own. You don't want to follow anyone else's directions. You want to figure it out on your own. And so what you're going to do is even though I tell you don't put your finger in the socket, you're going to lick your finger and you put it in the socket. And you're going to be like, that hurt. I'm going to tell some of you, you should absolutely not put your hand on that hot stove. And what you're going to do is you're going to say, yeah, right, whatever. And you're going to smell your flesh burning to, you know, because you just got to do it for yourself. You got to learn on your own. But if you'll just for a moment, just, gosh, if you'll give me two minutes and lean in and to listen. If you can learn from my mistakes, if you would listen to this right here, right now. The scripture that we talked about tonight, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, says that you have been created in Christ before the beginning of time to do good works. And that is why you're on this planet, everyone. It's to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. It is not to have a relationship with this world. There's going to be one who is going to let you down never, and his name is Jesus. There's a world that's going to try to dupe you because it is controlled by a liar and a deceiver and a thief who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And he, 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 he's become the prince of this world, and we're buying his lies hook, line, and sinker. And the greatest way that he tries to deceive us is he tries to bait us in with stuff, loving stuff, more than loving our God. Friends, I want to encourage you to not waste your life on something that depreciates and ultimately dies, but rather that you would invest your life in one who will live forever and who will multiply your return forever and ever and ever. So as I'm kind of 
beginning the process of landing the plane here, I want to share with you how this works. That you have the Holy Spirit in your life. Scripture talks about the fact that, that when you become a follower of Jesus, you are given a spiritual gift, every one of you. Let me read one example. I could read 1 Corinthians 12, but tonight for time, I just want to read Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 8, if you would look at the screens. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we though many form one body. How many bodies, everyone? One. One body, we're in this together, and each member belongs to the other. So whether or not you like it or not, you belong to the other people in this room. We have different gifts. Everyone say gifts. Gifts. He's talking about spiritual gifts. According to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, you just got done talking about that. It's just speaking about the things that God's going to do. Then prophesy in accordance to your faith. If it's serving, and for those of you that have set up this room... For those of you who made PowerPoint slides, you served, then serve. If it's teaching, teach. If it's encouraging, encourage. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, then do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. You see, the church, the body of Christ, are one and the same. And there are many parts of a physical body and in the same way, there's many parts of a church body. And though the body is one, there's many functions. And in the same way, when we begin to live our lives together in the Spirit, we begin to live out the life of the body. Uh, each week, Jake has been giving you an essential. And so here's the big idea. Here is essential number three. If you're using your notes, if you would, write this down. Essential number three is to use your gifts. Is to use your gifts. I just gave you a, an incomplete list of gifts that are there, spiritual gifts that are there. But I need you to know that God makes a promise. And when God makes a promise, he never breaks a promise. And the promise is, is he's saying, you're gifted. I've given you a gift. And you need to figure out what it is. At the moment of salvation, you're given the gift and it's your journey and your purpose to discover what that gift is. You know, for myself, um, I struggled trying to uh, really identify what my calling was on this earth and this planet. Because when I was a kid growing up, it was just I wanted to have a lot of money. I wanted to make a lot of money. And I graduated with a finance degree and I worked for Wells Fargo and I made a lot of money. Made a lot of good choices financially, but I made a lot of poor choices relationally. And it was uh, during that time when I got mentored that I shared with you that my, my mentor, my, my young adults pastor, encouraged me to work on being content. That I, I began to realize that, uh, that God was beginning to shift my heart. I'd done all this training, and I had all these abilities with people, and I could sell things, and I was good with numbers and administration, and I could lead teams and projects. But I began to lose my motivation just to get another bonus check. I know some of you are like, dude, give me some of that motivation, right? But I, after a while, it was no longer about making more money. It just didn't do it for me anymore. Until so one day, my mentor said, hey, I'm in a pinch would you do me a favor? Could you, just, could you just help me out with this small group? 
I'm, I'm, I'm going to be, I'll be back next week. I'm down a leader. Can you just come in here? And I don't care what you do. Here's 20 bucks. You know, buy some Cheetos. Don't care. Talk about Jesus twice. She'll be fine. Okay. So because literally a moment of lapse judgment for that night, I said yes to becoming a freshman guy's small group leader. It was like, it was the scariest moment of my life. Because you get about 12 freshman boys together. Remember Beavis and Butthead? That's who they were, right? And, uh, and that night was a game changer for me. Because God began to do something in my heart. He began to say, you know what? This is really silly. But the joy that these kids have, the contentment that they have, is so different than what you're experiencing in the business world. And over the course of about a year, God began to shift my heart towards ministry. I, it made no sense. So when I'd be telling my friends, like I'm reading scripture and I'm telling them what's going on, I began to realize that God was calling me into ministry, into student ministry at that. I grew up in a Christian home. My mother and my father are very musical. I love music. Um, my son loves music. He plays guitar up here in the band. Um, I grew up piano lessons, guitar lessons, voice lessons. My mom is a choir teacher in Clovis Unified. Um, in, in, in college, I was in ensembles and in orchestras and in bands. I traveled. I love music. And that's something that probably some of you never knew about me until right now. When I was in uh, uh, my first full-time job in ministry was actually a, a college and student ministries worship pastor. Um, when I was a youth pastor and I had no budget and I had no staff, it was like me and my guitar and my smile and my Suburban. That's all we had, right? So I, I, I literally was a one-man show and I, I would just sing and I'd preach and I'd teach and we just, we just grew a ministry that way. And then the ministry grew and the ministry grew and, and I began to sense and feel that I that God wanted me to work as a teacher. And so I, I began to work as a teacher and a preacher, and, and ministries grew, and, and I found myself at a crossroads. And the crossroads was is that I had to make a decision. And the decision was, was I going to focus on being a worship leader, or was I going to focus on being a preacher and a teacher and a leader? And I realized something, and this is going to be probably the most transparent thing I'm going to say with you tonight. I realized as much as I love music, I wasn't as good as I thought I was. And as much as I wanted to be a worship leader, pridefully, God was calling me to be a preacher. And so with my mentor, I said, you know what? I need to stop doing that so I can start really focusing in on this. I, I share that with you because there are people in our life who God touches and gives them a gift. And it's just not fair. If you guys know our worship leader, Trevor, over in the main room, I love and loathe that man. The guy's literally a rock star. He's played in arenas. And when he sings, you see him in the voice that he produces. It's not fair. I secretly want to be Trevor Morgan when I grow up one day. I would love to have been that. But I'm not. I'm Brent. And I love music. But the guitars that I grew up in loving and playing, Blake gets to play now. And I love watching him lead in worship. And now it pains me because I know he's hearing this. And I'm going to hear it the rest of my life. But, oh, it's painful. But I'm going to say it. 
and he's a better guitar player than I ever was. Oh, I regret that. He's never beat me in golf, but he's a better, he's a better guitar player than I'm ever going to be. Why do I share this with you, friends? Here's why. There are some of you that need to come to terms with how God has gifted you. And you need to stop looking at what somebody else has. And you need to start living into what God has entrusted you with. For some of you, you are holding somebody else back because you're in a place and you're just holding on to it. The truth is, is God is wanting you, and as much as I hate Maddie stepping away, I fully embrace it. I think about people that are in ministries and they're filling positions that they should no longer be filling, but they're just in that position. Holding on. What they're doing is they're holding back what God could be doing. What am I saying? I'm saying is God has gifted you. God has purposed you to do good work. I've got some questions at the end that I'm going to be leading you through, that you guys are going to be talking through. But one of those is really is how is God, how is God purposed you spiritually to do good works? So the band's going to come up and we're going to close in a final song. But there's some next steps that I want to challenge you with. Next step number one is that you would commit to allowing God to direct your life. And I know some of you that you've not done that yet. You've not yet <clears throat> put your hope and your faith in Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Nothing else is going to make sense. The purpose is not going to be revealed in your life until you make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. I encourage you to do that tonight. Number two, I just want to encourage you to pray about God's purpose for your life. This is something that I have a feeling that you've thought about your whole life, but maybe you've never prayed about. And as Jake said just a couple of moments ago, we believe in the power of prayer across city. And the prayer of a righteous person, it availeth much. I encourage you to pray about it. Number three, for some of you, this is a whole new world that you need to explore. And I just encourage you to talk to me, talk to Jake, and we're going to point you in the right direction to talk about spiritual gifts in a non-weird, wonky way. Because there's some wonky stuff out there, friends. We'll direct you in the right way, the right path. It'll be biblically grounded. It'll be in line with, with Cross City. I encourage you to follow where God is leading. This is going to be a next step for some of you. Probably the most important one is going to be the fourth step, and that's just going to be looking for ways to, out of obedience, continue to do the work of God where you are, to be, a, to be the handiwork of God. You know, for me, it, it all shifted and changed when I said yes to being a freshman guy's small group leader. Maybe for some of you, saying yes is going to be saying yes to being a Sunday school teacher or helping out a vacation Bible school in two weeks, or being a greeter, or just coming alongside Jake and McKinnon and saying, hey, how can I help? What can I do? Now, I realize not everybody that's here tonight goes across city, but if you do go to Cross City, I mean, there's some ways that you can get connected in the greater life of the church. You can sign up for Serve Tour on the weekends, or better yet, if you want to look at how we're serving in the community and around the world, then sign up for Go class coming up next month. I, I don't know how the Lord is leading and guiding your life right now, but this is what I do know, is that God wants for you to use your gifts. And he doesn't want you to be wasting your life on chasing stupid, silly things. And as tempting as they are, and as much as you want that relationship, you want that possession, you want that status, it will leave you high and dry and it leads to nowhere. Trust me, I know. I've been there, done that. I have the t-shirt, and it no longer fits because I gained a lot of weight. 
I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to live that lie. I want you to live life. So please trust me. Don't put your finger in the socket. Don't put your hand on the burner. Follow after God. Be godly. Be righteous. Love him. Love his word. Do life in community. Serve like you've never served before. Live your life in such a way that when you breathe your last breath here on earth and your first breath in heaven, there's really no difference. That you're living for the Lord. You're in his presence. You're in his kingdom. And you are experiencing the abundant life that Jesus died on a cross for you to live. Would you stand to your feet at this time? I'm going to pray for you and then we're going to go into a final song. So dear God, I pray for the anchor nights that is here, maybe even listening on a on a podcast later, that they would lean into the story that you're telling in their lives and through their lives, that they begin to realize that you have formed them and fashioned them, that you've empowered them, that you have sealed them, that they are significant in you, that they have been set apart for you, God, and that you want to do abundantly more than they could ever hope or imagine. God, would we not settle for second best, but would we hold out for your very best because you're God, you are worth it. You're never going to let us down. God, you're never going to break a promise. We can trust you because your promises are yes and amen. God, you are so good. We love you so much. We want to live for you with all of our life. And if this is your prayer, would you say amen, amen, and amen. Let's give God a hand, everybody.